This is episode number seven with Paula Thomas. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. My name is Tibor Nard, mindset and performance coach and the founder of Mindset Horizon. The mission of this weekly show is to reveal the disruptive mindset of purpose-driven entrepreneurs, high performers, visionaries, and change makers, so you can transform your mindset, realize your full potential, and execute on your dreams. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now let's get started. Welcome back everyone to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Before introducing today's guest, let me guys tell you a little bit more about the Mindset Nation community, a Facebook group that I highly recommend you to join. In this community, you have the chance to get in touch with other like-minded listeners, the incredible guests on the show, and of course with me, the host himself. You can ask questions, give feedback, and engage in different conversations. On top of that, you will know everything about the most important freebies and takeaways and the latest news about brand new episodes. You can join this community by simply clicking on the link in the show notes or visiting our website mindsethorizon.com. So let's dive into the introduction. My guest today is Paula Thomas, and in this episode, we are going to cover interesting topics such as what it takes to cultivate the mindset of possibility and using affirmation techniques to positively influence and change our thoughts and as a result, change our life and business for the better. She's going to share her incredible story of how she found a great opportunity in a career situation that others would call a crisis. We also talk about the advantages and practicalities of working as a freelancer and running a location-independent business. So a couple of words about Paula. Paula is a freelance marketing consultant who specializes in the field of loyalty marketing. She's from Ireland but lives and works in various places around the world, following the events, people and projects that interest her. She's mainly based in Dubai but has also already spent a month each in Croatia and a month in Bali this year. She holds a first-class master's degree in business from one of the top universities in Ireland, and she is the author of the book Thriving Loyalty in Convenience Retail, which is available on Amazon. She's also a judge for the UK-based Loyalty Magazine Awards and has run loyalty programs for airlines, banks, mobile phone companies, and other large utility companies. Paula is the host of a new podcast called Let's Talk Loyalty, which is a B2B podcast targeted at those working on loyalty programs around the world. So without further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Hi, Paula, and welcome to the show. Hi, Tibor. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here, Paula. Uh, I really appreciate it. And actually, we had, uh, or I had the privilege to meet you in person during Mindvalley University, Pula, Croatia, 2019, which was a great experience. And I got to know your story to some extent. But for those who don't know anything about you, would you just tell us a little bit more about your previous career path and work experiences? For sure. So first of all, Tibor, thank you so much um, for creating this entire podcast. I think the thank subject you. that you have identified is um, extremely powerful. And I think we share a belief that it's probably the, the single most important thing that any um, individual, I guess, experiences. So, so I love the fact that we're talking about mindset. Um, thank you so much. 
Yeah, so that's great. Um, so to answer the first question, um, my background is I am from Ireland, so I don't really have a very strong Irish accent, I know, but um, I was born and bred in Dublin and I spent most of my life in Ireland, um, but with two big exceptions, in fact. Um, when I was about 23, initially, I decided to um, leave the country and go somewhere extremely unusual. And so I moved to Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. And and it was a very um, unusual place, particularly at that time, very um, early in its um, development. But I found it to be an extraordinary um, city of, I guess, possibility. So I had an incredible career there, uh, predominantly in the airline business. So I worked with British Airways for many years and with Emirates Airline, uh, but really just um, ended up deciding that I should probably move back to Ireland after about maybe six years. Um, so I did do that, in fact. I moved back to Ireland. And and I got into a couple of different um, areas of business. So particularly, I worked in, uh, I suppose, two things which are, are relevant to this. Um, and that's around uh, digital marketing. So I spent a lot of time learning and coaching other people how to do digital marketing. And I also ended up in recruitment, um, which is where I probably got a taste for the uh, potential for working in a, in a more um, open and free way. So I started to meet mm. people who were working in different places around the world. Of course, I was trying to convince them to move back to Ireland, but um, I think instead they convinced <laughs> me to leave. <laughs> so there you go. So, so I suppose in summary, I am a marketing uh, consultant. Um, I am very much currently freelance. And I suppose the really big thing for me right now is I'm also what we call location independent. So that means I don't have to be on site because some of the consulting projects that people will work on will need you to be in the client's office. Uh, but right now I am actually in Bali in Indonesia. So I'm feeling very blessed to be able to do this podcast and do my work uh, from here. Well, it sounds amazing. Before we go deeper into uh, location-independent freelancing business, uh, would you tell a little bit more about uh, your decision moving abroad and your experience of moving abroad? Like, how was it for you? What was the biggest takeaway of having this experience? Because I'm also experiencing a similar uh, thing in my life. I moved out to Germany first and to Austria, and so we live abroad and what was your biggest yeah. takeaway from that? I mean, for me, certainly, um, I've done it twice now, Tibor, as I said, um, or maybe I didn't say clearly, actually. I have moved back to Dubai in the last two years. So mm -hmm. I left Ireland the first time when I was 23, the second time when I was 45. So I yeah. guess there's <laughs> probably quite different experience each time. Um, mm -hmm. Both times it was from, you know, a very small country, um, you know, at the edge of Europe um, to a completely different lifestyle, a different culture. Um, and for me, I think the key thing is, I suppose, the global mindset. Um, so back to, to mindset, which is what we're talking about. But I often feel that in Ireland, um, we are very much a nation that we're very patriotic. Um, we love to, to tell people our stories and, and sing our songs and all of those kind of things. But for me, there can be an element of um, negativity in, in Ireland when I, when I go home. Mm -hmm. And I think it maybe is the political system or maybe it's an energy. I'm not really sure. But for me, it's a big adventure, actually. So 
so I like the idea that um, I'm very different in the country that I live. And, you know, when I get to be there, I get to, um, I think, appreciate people's culture because it's the first time maybe that I've seen it. So Dubai is an extraordinary city. If you haven't been, it's, it's I don't know how many nationalities, but I certainly would recommend it if you want to go and see what a global mindset looks like. It is actually really uh, interesting because I also had, I would say, a mindset shift when I moved out to Germany. That was my first uh, yeah. time when I moved abroad. And I experienced a mindset uh, a mindset shift in my life because I had totally different uh, thoughts in Hungary and focuses. And when I moved out, I had my reasons. But uh, that was a time when I uh, started to uh, read a little bit more about mm. or more about personal development and that was my first time when i got into uh, coaching and personal development and i mm. experienced a mindset shift i would say when i look back it was three years ago yeah and so it can be um transformative i would say and when someone really experiences um yeah the global other cultures and the global yeah. mindset basically yeah you are expanding your horizons, so to speak, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't know, Tibor, whether there is such a thing as a the mindset of a city, but my experience is that that's what it kind of feels like. So Dubai is is a city that um, absolutely believes that it deserves the best in the world. And people sometimes laugh when they come because all they hear is these, you know, exaggerations. We have the tallest building. We have a seven-star hotel. You know, there are so many many examples literally of Guinness World Records. But if you talk to one of the, the you know, the people, um, they're called Emiratis, and ask them, you know, about their ambition, they will they will absolutely go, well, why would we not expect the best? Like they, they genuinely believe that they deserve it. And I never experienced that in other countries. So my own belief is that, you know, it's the city of possibilities. And actually, to go back to, to Mind Valley in Croatia, I, had, I used to think that kind of Positivity was my favorite word in terms of intention, but I've changed mm -hmm. it now that it's more about possibility because there's mm -hmm. no point being positive um, and, and just pretending that everything's okay or not showing up and doing the work. Whereas I feel possibility is much more exciting and it's much more energetic. So yeah, so, you know, living in Dubai is a city of possibilities from, from my experience. Wow. It is really powerful. And there's an expression, uh, mindset of possibilities. And yeah. I'm very much focusing on this mindset and was focusing on this or cultivating this mindset in the last three years, like looking for possibilities. If you bump into some kind of a difficulty, you know, yeah, you don't say, okay, that's it. That was it. I can't do this, but look for something that, yeah. uh, look for a possibility basically. So I think, Uh, moving abroad can help you cultivate this mindset. Uh, definitely, I just experienced it on my yeah uh, on my, my own journey. And yeah, exactly. Uh, so thank you very much for sharing this. And would you tell us a little bit more about your current freelancing business as a marketing mm -hmm. consultant and what mm -hmm. was yeah. and what is your area of expertise? Mm -hmm. Is it different than it was in the corporate world, or what do you do? 
Yeah, well, I definitely um, have evolved hugely, Tibor. So in the corporate world, I guess I was um, a very general marketing executive. So I would handle anything from, you know, writing copy for, for a website to, um, you know, creating an advertising campaign. So plenty of work, say, within general communications um, and again, generally within digital. So I had a very general marketing experience. But when I started freelancing, um, and I believe it was a result of um, working on intentions and mindset, I ended up uh, getting a phone call from a company that had a loyalty program and it wasn't really being run very well. And somehow somebody made the connection that the the services and the skills that they needed, even though I had never worked on a loyalty program in my whole life, they realized that actually it was a job for negotiation. It was a job for operations. It was a job for understanding what customers really wanted. And I really thought that that was extraordinary opportunity for me. And the brand I worked for had a, an awful lot of integrity around wanting to delight customers, which fed into my whole belief in positivity and that work can be a really fun thing to do. So I did end up specializing um, in running that particular loyalty program for actually over seven years as a freelancer. And as a result of that and, and, and delivering, obviously, the right results because we, we loved working together, I, I really built up a very good reputation across multiple sectors. So that was in telcos, um, so the mobile phone company that was dominant in the Irish market at the time. But then our biggest energy company called me and said, oh, we're going to do a loyalty program. Can you help us with that? I said, of course. Um, and then our biggest bank was running something and then our airline was doing something. So all of a sudden now... Uh, 10 years later, I have become, um, I suppose, what I'd like to think of as a specialist in loyalty programs. Some people use the word expert. Uh, that word makes me a little nervous because I always feel the more that uh, you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. So I, I try not to um, <laughs> to pretend to be perfect. Um, but definitely, I am a specialist. And I think your question around, you know, uh, starting and, and evolving is, is, a, is a really good one, even within freelancing, because, you know, I started on the operations side, as I said, of running the loyalty program. And then about two years ago, I got this really interesting inquiry from somebody who was running um, lots of different loyalty programs from a software perspective. And they're a fantastic company and um, very specialized. So I don't think your listeners would know the name, but it is an amazing company called Liquid Barcodes. And they said, look, we would really like to, um, to avail of your expertise, but to write about what do you see happening in our industry uh, globally in terms of loyalty best practice? And will you write about that? And I was like, oh my God, this is my perfect client. <laughs> so it was, it was an extraordinary transition from operations into, um, into content creation. And I have become a very big believer in the power of content. And again, I credit them with identifying that opportunity. But it went from writing blog articles once a week to then producing all of those into one um, one book, essentially like a like a big brochure, really, for, for the various conferences we were working on. But now we've decided, OK, let's put the book for sale on Amazon. So now I'm a published author. So <laughs> mm, <laughs> <really> congratulations. <laughs> Thank yeah. You. Um, is it the driving loyalty in convenience retail? Uh, yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. So very specialized, Tibor, again, you know, I don't know if any of your listeners work in convenience retail, but for me, um, it's incredible as an industry to realize how how much it impacts society, in fact, because some of the statistics are incredible. Like in the United States, like 50% of the population go to a convenience store like every day of their life. So mm. so if you think about, you know, making them loyal customers, it's really the the, the probably the most difficult because they, they come in, they want to leave very quickly. Um, um, but it means then if you can do that, then you get their spend every day of their lives. So so it's a huge challenge and, and certainly very exciting to be working on. Mm. So driving loyalty in convenience retail, would you would you tell us a little bit more about this book as well? Sure, absolutely. Um so as I said, so convenience retail is anything like, uh, you know, a local coffee shop to um, maybe one of the big famous brands like 7-Eleven is the biggest chain of convenience stores around the world. It could also be the local fuel station or gas station um, where you go to, to refuel. So so any um, retailer in that sector um, does have unique challenges. Um, as I mentioned, it is around what we would call from a marketing perspective, uh, reducing friction. So servicing those customers and selling them what they need as quickly and efficiently as possible. Um, but what we want to do from a marketing perspective is make sure that we can connect with them as well. So Starbucks is a fabulous example. I think I've written maybe three different articles about Starbucks. I've also mm -hmm. written maybe, I think, five articles about 7-Eleven. So I guess the book, uh, to answer your question, is um, it's a culmination. There's ac actually 67 different articles in that book, um, which mm -hmm. is all around, you know, what is it that, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken do to achieve customer loyalty in China versus what Starbucks do in America versus what happens in the Irish market. So it's very much a global perspective, which again fits in with the values we talked about earlier. And it's very much targeted at anyone who operates in that business and wants to um, understand how to make their customers really happy uh, and keep them coming back. Wow, sounds amazing. And where is it available for people? I will send you a link, actually. So if you want to put that in the show notes, you can do that. So at the mm -hmm. moment, it's on my client's website and it will be on Amazon uh, within the next six to eight weeks. So um, that's, I would say, by October 2019, depending whether when people are listening to this, it will be on Amazon by by October. Mm, amazing. Thank you so much. Um, we went a little uh, further, but I want to go back to the starting point of your freelancing business. So how did you or when did you decide to start your freelancing business and what was the reason for that? Was it yeah. a conscious process or just a random process? How was it for you? Um, it started as something that had a very good, sensible plan with a long lead time and ended up um, happening um, overnight, unexpectedly, with no time to to run the plan, because I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> it was um, something that, you know, I knew I was always going to do. And I started working on it in 2008. I took a job in a recruitment company, which I loved and I still love and I work very closely with. And the reason I wanted to work with them was because they had freelancers that they used to bring in on projects that they needed for, for extra support. So I had a great idea. Let me go and work on uh, bringing in these freelancers for my clients um, over two, three years. And then when I understand how that whole business works, then I can go and do exactly what they're doing. So it was uh, very, um, you know, intentional. However, mm -hmm. I was 
was literally, unfortunately, made redundant because the recession happened. So even though I had an extraordinary and still have this extraordinary relationship with that company, um, they had to um, to end my job. And I was only there, like I'd say, like three months. So I had no time to do the learning, no time to figure out how to be a freelancer or a consultant. But at the same time, I literally went, okay, this is my biggest a professional crisis to date. Um, I am determined never to work for anyone else again. So here is the opportunity to take all of the personal development tools that I've been reading about for 15 years and to put them to the test. So it ended up going, okay, I um, I have no income. Uh, but I did set a goal, actually, Tibor, which I think is very useful and probably something that we should talk about. So so I knew, obviously, what my expected income would be if I had, you know, kept that job and, you know, done all of the right things and got my bonuses and everything. So, so I knew what a good salary felt like. And then I decided, okay, well, now I'm back to zero. But if I wanted to find what success would have been if I'd had the three years experience, my income target, I literally wrote down, would have been double what a full-time income would be. So I said, that's something that to me would feel like success. So I literally sat down and I created a process and I said, okay, I'm going to use actually affirmations, which is the tool, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but I'm going to use a very intentional process and I'm going to have this goal, which is to double the income that I would have had. And then I'm going to look back in 12 months time and see whether it worked or not, but it has to be as a freelancer. (laughs) And it really, I have to say, it worked unbelievably well, uh, despite the recession, and one of the things that I that I subsequently found out is while in a recession, most businesses are clearly receding um, or, or going backwards. If a company is very um, brave, it's the perfect time to launch a loyalty program because then you're so much more visible than anybody else. So I ended up in the perfect career at the perfect time because of the recession. So so the recession was the best thing that ever happened for me. So it's um, it's a really good example of, you know, when when a crisis hits um, very often and it's the best thing possible for your career. Mm, really interesting. And was there some kind of, um, how to say, did you experience or did you face difficulties, struggle? And if so, what was that for you? Uh, uh, how was it? How was it for you? Well, for sure. I mean, I think the the overriding energy was was fear first and foremost. Um, I'm not married, so you know I have to pay my own mortgage, all of my own expenses. So, and I didn't have a big, nice rainy day fund in the bank because, again, I was paying a mortgage already. So, so definitely, I started from a mindset of fear, but I very quickly realized that that would be the biggest problem. Uh, the biggest problem would not be the recession. I've already explained that that became um, an opportunity. So for me, the biggest challenge was to say, how can I shift from a mindset of fear to a mindset of possibility? Um, And that's when I sat down and I thought about, okay, what are all of these books that I've been reading? What are the tools that they're recommending that I've been reading but not trying? And let me see what would happen if I actually did try them. So I guess that's on the, the energetic level. 
on a very practical level, um, you really have to be very, um, very brave and very active. There's no point, you know, setting your intentions and sitting back and waiting for the universe to provide something. You mm -hmm. actually have to go out and make it happen. So there's a level of determination that I've been, I suppose, lucky enough always to, to possess. So I really believe in, in showing up and doing the best work you can. And then the, the idea of trust and surrender um, to, to believe that there is a, a greater power that also wants you to be successful. I believe that the combination of those is, is extremely powerful and certainly what served me at that time. Mm. It's really interesting. Would you uh, go a little bit deeper into those tools? For example, you were mentioning uh, affirmations as well. So what yeah. are those things that you were using? Yeah. What are those Absolutely. tools? For sure. Um, well, affirmations um, as as a direct word, if you just, you know, look it up, for example, in a dictionary, it means to state something in the positive as a possibility. So um, it's an idea that was, I first read about it from a, a very famous author. Her name is Louise Hay. And if anybody is interested in this material, I would definitely recommend her books. And she was one of the first ever to realize that language is extremely powerful. And what you say either internally within your mind or externally and verbalize something to other people, that's actually a creative force and you're adding energy depending on whether you say something negative or you say something positive. And I think we do this all of the time and I think most of the time it's unconscious or subconscious and it's mm -hmm. probably not serving us particularly if it is a situation which is a fearful one. So I really realized, okay, um, this situation has happened. I've lost my job and the reality is that that I can't afford not to work okay so let's just acknowledge that there's there's you know a, a, a rational reason to be fearful but let's also realize that there's always an opportunity if the universe is on your side so I said right what is an affirmation and how do I use it and because I really value language and I had been reading so many books um, by, by Louise and other people I thought okay let me sit down and write down so so quite simply, an affirmation is, um, it's a positive intention. It's always written down. It's always in the present tense. And it always starts with the words, I am. Now, mm -hmm. there's lots of reasons to explain why you use the words I am. And we, you know, don't need to understand why. But that's actually all you really need to know. So I remember sitting down and I won't remember, you know, exactly word for word. But I literally sat down and said, OK, what would it feel like? So I said, OK, I am working on a fantastic project. I am delighting my clients and I am doubling my income from what I previously would have earned. So that's the, the example of the type of, of um, wording that I was using on a daily basis. But I think there's a, also an extremely important part of that. Before you say anything, I would sit for 10 minutes and allow my mind just to rest and to relax and to move out of the fear, whatever was going on. And I would literally sit and I suppose create space because I don't believe you can change your mindset if you're, you know, frantically worried, you're busy and you're planning your day or, you know, there's chaos basically. So my overall process, I did it first thing every morning. And I know from, again, doing lots of research between now and then, this should be done either first thing in the morning or last thing at night. And I've had success with both. 
But I literally sat down then first thing every morning. And the, the other key piece to remember about this is it's a minimum of a 30 day process. You're not going to change your mindset overnight. We all know how easy it is to lapse back into bad behavior. So I was prepared for the long haul and committed to practicing this every single day. So that's what I did. I sat down every morning. I did my my shower, my normal stuff. And then I said, okay, 10 minutes of, um, of silence. And something that I learned, which is quite useful because a lot of people resist the idea of trying to meditate or trying to do something. The whole point around my practice is very much around it should feel easy. So I would just literally allow myself to hear what's happening around. And if you do that, then there's no effort involved because then you're definitely in the present and you're very clear. So I did that for 10 minutes. I allowed myself to hear what was happening and focused on my breathing. And then I would repeat my affirmation, which again, I had memorized and I repeated it 20 times. And that's it. I got up and I went to work. And I can genuinely tell you, Tibor, it was absolutely magical. I think it took, I'm going to say, a total of six months for the, the full result to unfold. And I didn't even recognize the, the perfect project w- when it arrived. You know, it was a case mm-hmm. of somebody called with this loyalty program. But honestly, six months later, I had achieved the, the double income target that I had set myself doing work that I loved with the client that I loved. So I fully credit that to my affirmations and to showing up, you know, to do work with the right, you know, determined mindset. So it was a really magical experience in my life. Mm, that is really powerful. I actually also have, uh, you know, a morning routine uh, where I have a meditation yeah. practice and I also do similar things. Uh, what I Beautiful. do uh, is, for example, I use creative visualization techniques, which means yeah. that I don't know if you use these statements in the future uh, tense or how do you how do you say these uh, statements? Can be no o- only in the present tense. The present. universe doesn't understand. Yeah, so that's why you say, you know, I am powerful. I am wealthy. I'm successful. It's like you're claiming an experience, um, mm-hmm. and then again showing up to create value because the universe cannot say like if you say I will be wealthy, you will you will only ever have it as a future experience. You want it in the now. So it's absolutely critical um, to to make it an, a now statement because that's when creation happens is immediately. So if you put your mind to something and say I am wealthy and you tune into that energy and vibration and again we saw it at Mind Valley you can actually see that the universe starts to move towards you so I completely love that you have a daily practice I know a lot of people are big fans of creative visualization for me I believe I am probably more experienced using my left brain than my right brain and therefore words are easier for me to um, to allow into my subconscious whereas if I start trying to visualize I find I get distracted, I get bored, and I just probably need to um, allow that creative side of my brain to, um, to to get into visual imagery. But for me, words are creative as well. So what does it matter? Use what feels easy. Mm. And I think uh, I am the world, the two words I am is powerful because it is connected to your identity, right? And identity Absolutely. is, for example, the highest level uh, when you change and when you shift your identity, you can basically 
do anything yeah. that you want because then the how and the values everything is connected to identity for example also belief systems and values are connected yeah. to identity so if i believe and i am affirming that i am a successful entrepreneur or i'm a successful freelancer then i have all those uh, abilities to follow through on my on my goals and whatever it is right so Yeah. I think that's why I am can be so powerful. And actually, I also use a meditation technique for um, uh, from Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Uh, he talks about this I am a lot and he I explains think, yeah. why I am. And so I use these uh, affirmations, affirmations uh, especially uh, before I go yeah. to bed. So I have a different mm -hmm. one in the morning and I have another one in the evening. In, and in the evening, Brilliant. I'm using the I am uh so to speak affirm affirmations wow okay. it is a it is a powerful uh topic and it is important for people to understand that there are some tools and techniques that you can use on a daily basis that can help you in your business in your life whatever it is and so were there any other tools that you were using at that time or do you use any other tools today how it is for you Um, I think that uh, for me, what I have realized is that um, hypnosis and self-hypnosis is a tool that actually is probably almost identical uh, to what I, you know, almost made up myself. So so now I would listen to um, recordings, which are, um, you know, to build my self-belief, for example, to, to reaffirm that every night. But it's, um, it's, it's somebody else's recording. So it's somebody else's voice. Mm -hmm. And they would say that that is um, self-hypnosis. So I think it's, as I said, I think it's the same thing and mm -hmm. um, just called something different. But I have definitely found that to be, um, I suppose, something that there's maybe more resources available if people are looking for For, for tools. If you look up self-hypnosis, you can certainly go and find things. Um, but the other one that I guess is um, is really interesting and I'm practicing and I'm probably very um, new is, um, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the whole idea of being 100% present and mindful and completely um, surrendering to uh, to the best possible outcome. And in fact, when I mentioned that I'm now a writer, as we talked about, I was doing a practice I remember literally two years ago, which was, you know, going for a beautiful walk in nature and just doing less from an energy perspective. So, so getting out of my head into um, the present moment and choosing to remain in that present moment as best as I possibly could. And it's probably something, you know, maybe people are familiar with Eckhart Tolle, um, The Power of Now. He has popularized exactly this idea and it has lots of different names. But I have found if I practice being present, then actual miracles show up. And they're miracles that I wouldn't have known that I needed. So when I talk about tools like you know, something very intentional like affirmations or or hypnosis, then I feel like I'm the person driving and deciding what happens. But when I practice mindfulness and surrender, then I'm handing over what happens. And it's always better than anything I could have imagined. 
Mm. There's also an interesting book. Uh, I haven't read it yet. Uh, the Surrender Experiment, Michael Singer. I don't know if you have read it or heard about it. I haven't actually. Um, I must. I'm going to make a note to do that. It's it's, <laughs> it's all about this. Uh, as far as I know, I haven't read the whole book, The Surrender Experiment, and uh, written by Michael Singer. And I wanted to read this book because I was also very much interested in tapping into intuition and surrendering and uh, somehow yeah. achieving yeah. more by doing less. And by doing less, I mean uh, being yes. stressful, right? So not yes. doing less, but doing less or thinking yeah. less. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Vision Lakiani of, of Mind Valley that, that we both um, mm -hmm. are fans of, he talked about it recently. Um, he calls it bending reality and he describes it as being the perfect balance between intention and surrender. And that's definitely what I'm learning. Um, so the more of this work that I read um, and the more that I try, because most of my life, I think we're quite similar. We spend experimenting with these, these amazing ideas because they're so much fun. Um, so yeah, I I think it is a case of, you know, yes, let's, let me be intentional with what I believe is best, but actually then surrender to this or something better showing up in my life. And, uh, and that's really when I think the, uh, the true magic arises. Mm, definitely. And I also, um, mm. what I, what I experienced, uh, in my life and on my journey was, um, for example, clarity that was very important to me. And when I say clarity, it's, uh, for example, about, the vision that you have for your life mm. and your and for your career so in the morning when i meditate i always have this vision uh in the creative visualization process and so Beautiful. then i set goals and you know i hope i always have this clarity for the day and for a bigger vision and i think it is something very powerful yeah. when you are working on something bigger than yourself and mm -hmm. back to your uh, freelancing business. Um, yes. Could we just go a little bit deeper uh, into the practicalities of this uh, business lifestyle? I would say freelancing business. What are the important things that people should know about this, this type of lifestyle or business style? For sure. Um well, I guess the the key is the the terminology I used earlier. I think is what you're asking about, which is the the digital nomad or location independent professional. So it's obviously very easy to be a freelancer or to be a consultant in your own city and to travel nowhere. And plenty of people make a lot of money doing that. Mm. But I think most people are interested in the um, in the traveling um, solution. So my experience, um, and, and quite rightly so, as I said, Bali is is beautiful today. Um, so I think the first thing for me was I was super concerned that my clients would be um, worried that I was literally on holidays and that I wasn't really uh, working very hard. And because I mentioned I'm, I'm extremely determined and I was determined for this lifestyle to work, the first thing I did when I started traveling um, on an ongoing basis, mm -hmm. which was last summer, 12 months ago, mm -hmm. the first thing I did was work 
probably twice as hard, um, but just in, in a more idyllic location. And I was lucky enough because, again, in these um, lower cost uh, lifestyle destinations like, like Bali, um, you know, your rent is lower, so you can probably maybe do less work and take on fewer projects. But then I did over service them is, is a term I would use. So I would say, OK, you know, if it means that I'm going to work twice as hard to make sure that everyone trusts everyone, that they know that I am definitely not just here to sit on the beach, then that's really, really important uh, to make sure that you deliver. So that's the first thing that I think everyone should expect. And then I think the other thing which I really loved was the, um, I suppose, the access to a community of extraordinary successful people, um, particularly in places that have like a co-working community. So where I'm speaking to you from today, for example, um, is a fabulous place called Outpost. There's also a very famous one called Dojo. So two very famous um, co-working uh, office locations in this part of Bali, which is called Changu. And in both of these co-working places, there are, you know, so many people who are building digital businesses. And one of the ways that they work is that, you know, two, three times a week, there will be um, events where somebody in the community will just volunteer to talk about what they work on or how they work. And we all get to ask them loads of questions. So it's almost like um, peer to peer mentoring. And that's probably what inspires me actually the most at this stage, mm -hmm. because it's, you know, 10 years since I've done my MBA and um, I never actually did a primary degree. So so I, I didn't really have a lot of initial education. Mm -hmm at third level. But I honestly can tell you, uh, being around people who are successful is by far the best way to learn. So so anyone who is thinking of doing it, I would say, make sure to find some people that you can talk to about, you know, how to run your business. And, you know, I've talked about, for example, having been a writer until now for the last two years, my next step, like you, is to create my own podcast. Mm. And that idea came about from talking to to other digital nomads. And in fact, just last week then, I realized what the next stage after the podcast is going to be. I'm going to create an online summit. So I have wow. found an amazing mentor, a perfect guy who, you know, is going to teach me how to create an online summit for my business. Mm -hmm. So all of these um, skills and talents, you could, of course, go on YouTube. The content is there for sure. There's no shortage of information these days. But my learning style is very much around. I want to sit down with somebody and I want them to tell me, honestly, is it hard? Is it tough? Um, you know, exactly what do I need to watch out for? You know, I want somebody who's got my back. Um, and that's really what I find in this community. So I think it's extraordinary to have access to these kind of people. And it's one of the reasons I love being here. Mm. Wow. So much information and so useful. Uh, digital nomad uh, traveling. And I wanted to ask about this uh, co-working, these co-working spaces, uh, which I also use um, in, in Vienna, where I'm yeah. located right now. Uh, sometimes I work at yeah. home and definitely there's, there's a how to say advantage when I work in co-working spaces because I then I'm surrounded yeah. with like-minded people and I think this is key that you are surrounded with people who are uh, working on yeah. similar stuff, uh, digital business, whatever it is, because you can uh, connect with them and have this information and you just basically support each other, right? And exactly. uh, it, it is key. So when I was working, for example, in the corporate world, I was also already working on my business 
and I was missing this uh, environment part of my life that I wanted to uh, be surrounded by like-minded people because I knew that this is key. So I was, I had this inner yeah. conflict all the time. Yeah. And so, <laughs> uh, what are other advantages of having this lifestyle? When when we just focus on the advantages of this of this lifestyle, what would you what would you say? Well, I suppose at a very um, mercenary level, uh, for me, I'm tax resident in the United Arab Emirates, mm-hmm. um, which is actually a completely tax-free country. So that's a pretty extraordinary idea for a lot of people. Um, but I really do find it incredible. Um, and it's quite different to how uh, how it works in, in Ireland, for example. So I mentioned I'm from Ireland. And in Ireland, I always felt that the individual um, entrepreneur seemed to be over overtaxed and the corporates were undertaxed. And that was my, you know, experience. You know, there was, you know, high profile cases that Apple should probably have paid 9 billion euros to the Irish government. Can you imagine what that would do for the Irish economy? Whereas I always was, was just felt like the more money I earned, the more percentage wise an extra tax would be added on top and an extra tax. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of went, do you know what? That doesn't have to be the only way. Um, so I feel like I contributed an awful lot to the Irish economy, um, you know, throughout my my career. Uh, but for now, I'm just like, actually, I want to be able to to work less, and I can work literally um, in a tax free economy by setting up, you know, a, a legal structure in the UAE. So that's definitely um, incredible for me. I've got all the trade licenses and everything that I need. And yeah, and again, it's a very business savvy um, city, uh, Dubai, and they're very much encouraging entrepreneurs to go and work there. So so it works for everybody. They get new talent and I get to do something um, that I might be able to experiment as much if I, if I was back home. Um, so yeah, so I think financially, um, there, there are lots of jurisdictions that you can look at. Um, again, I've mentioned like Dubai wouldn't be a low cost place to live, for example, but Bali is. So at the moment, I'm kind of combining, you know, some time in Bali. So whatever I can get in terms of a visa, um, access to this community, and then I go back to Dubai. And for example, even we were, as we said already, together in Croatia for a month. So it gives me the incredible opportunity to say, okay, to feed my soul, you know, to be, (laughs) to be a bit more spiritual about it. I actually want to make sure that I'm not just about making money because obviously we all believe in abundance. Um, I don't believe it's necessary to be poor, to be spiritual. Mm -hmm. So I believe in abundance from a wealth perspective, but I also believe in abundance from an opportunity and, you know, spiritual inspiration. So for me, uh, because I work online, because I'm a writer, I got to go and work in Croatia for a whole month and I still kept writing, but I got to go to, I don't know how many amazing workshops. And when I look back at that whole month, there's absolutely no way I could have managed to make that work if I was still working in the corporate world. So yeah, so I feel very, very lucky to be able to do that. Mm, So amazing. And also um, it reminded me again uh, of the word, mindset of possibilities uh when you were talking about this establishing a business in dubai and things like that because i was in a similar situation i lived in germany austria and when it came to my process of establishing uh, a legal background of the company you know i was looking for different solutions should i establish a company in germany or austria or hungary 
or what what do I choose and why, right? I was mainly yeah, looking yeah. for possibilities in uh, Europe. And so I don't know if you have heard about e-residency. It's a possibility in Estonia uh, that you can uh, establish your company oh, yeah. there through e-residency, basically using the online system of the yeah. country. And you can manage your yeah. company 100% online and you can sign documents uh, digitally, which is a good solution for uh, digital nomads. And they are focusing on yeah. people who are traveling, who are digital nomads and, and things like that. Yeah. And so it seems to be a trend. And what do you think? Is it going to be a trend in the future? How is it going to unfold this way of uh, working, this lifestyle? How is it going to look like? Oh, I think it's only going to increase, Tibor. Um, I think the more you know, people um, realize that, you know, nothing is forever, for example. So I think maybe 20 years ago, we thought if you had a job, you could always stay in the one job and that, you know, that would keep you happy and, and remain forever. Mm -hmm. I think now we've all realized that you could always lose your job. Things can always change. Um, so people are looking, first of all, to have to protect them against that, actually, to have more variety, maybe in their career. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I think there's just a general energy around valuing experiences much more than just the pay packet at the end of the day. So I've seen, you know, lots of jobs being advertised now. So, and I think it's particularly like countries like the United States, they, they seem to have much less annual leave or, or holidays mm -hmm. um, or vacation time, as I think the term would be. So compared to say in Ireland, you know, most jobs you would have at least kind of 20 days paid holidays. But if you're in the United States, you wouldn't have that. But what they are starting to do is say, you know, on top of your vacation time, we'll give you maybe, you know, a month where you can work in a different location, um, but on the same work. Um, so I think people see that as an amazing opportunity um, where they won't have to give up the job, for example, and the security, uh, but they still get to do some traveling. So I really believe that people are much more interested in experiences. They still need to get well paid. We all need to, um, to be well paid if we do good work. Um, but beyond that, there are other ways that you can retain employees. And again, because I work in loyalty, I'm interested in employee loyalty as well as consumer loyalty. So that's something I see as a big trend in our industry where people are going, well, actually, you know, if we do give them the flexibility, they will work really hard or they should work really hard. Mm -hmm. And there is um, a mutual respect. And I think it's only going to increase. Mm. And there's a, there's a shift in value system. So people tend to value more experiences. Um, I think it's true, and I think it was my case as well, so I can uh, speak for that. Yeah, and what are the most important things are you focusing on in your business right now? So it's a really good question. Um, I guess because I've been writing for the last year, I made the decision that I only wanted work that was um you know, online, essentially, that I had this um, freedom of location. So I have turned down any of the kind of normal consultancy work that I would have taken on. For about a year now, I've been just, I guess, you know, working a little bit less. Um, and what I've been doing instead is, is paying a lot of attention and doing a lot of research and asking myself, you know, different questions. So I think questioning is a very powerful tool, um, mm -hmm. you know, when you don't know what you don't know. So mm -hmm. I would ask questions now to say, okay, how can I find new work um, that brings me great joy and great income 
and is a contribution to the universe. And at least by asking that question, it's amazing what does start to show up. So I mentioned I plan to, to run an online summit um, and mm. I will do that. You know, it might take 12 months. I don't know. But I know that that's the next um, solution that the universe has presented to me, but only because I asked a very open question mm -hmm. rather than say, you know, where's the next consulting project coming from or, you know, whatever it might be. Again, I'm trying to distance myself from the detail and just describe, you know, what experience do I want in my life? And I want my experience to be, I do great work, I but I make a contribution because I really believe the older we all get, the more uh, important we realize it is for us to make a contribution um, and to be as selfless as possible. Again, there's still plenty of potential for wealth and abundance, but also if you can make a difference in any area of life, then that's really, I think, what uh, what work and life is all about. Mm. Open-ended questions. These are the questions we use in coaching and that is why they are really powerful because you open up spaces and when you yeah. basically learn to ask yourself open-ended questions, these are the most powerful ones and questions are the answers, right? Uh, the saying goes. And online summit and podcast, um, what, what's the topic? Like what, what, what is the content? What are you focusing on uh, content-wise? Yeah. So again, a great question. So because I have um, an established uh, personal brand within loyalty marketing, then absolutely my my first podcast and my first online summit will both be within my professional field. Mm -hmm. So um, people who run loyalty programs, this is a you know a very niche. B2B um, audience. So anybody who's interested in really driving consumer loyalty, um, they will be the people that I will be reaching out to. So we do have some industry conferences, for example, and there's obviously plenty of articles written about loyalty programs, but nobody is, um, is talking about them on a podcast. So that's where I see myself being able to be, um, you know, different and innovative and to create a real community of loyalty marketeers. Um, the same with the online summit, because there's extraordinary mm -hmm. people who have built amazing loyalty programs, whether it's Tesco Club Card or, you know, um, you know, mm -hmm. American Express, you know, there, there's incredible programs that we can all learn from. Um, and an online summit is a very good way to bring, again, industry thought leaders into a digital environment and um, ask them all the tough questions about what they struggled with and what challenges and, and solutions they found. Mm -hmm. So I really want to learn new digital skills, but within my current professional field, um, And that's going to take, I guess, the next six to 12 months. And then I, I do love this field that, um, that you work in, in terms of mindset and anything to do with personal development. So mm. I have an idea around, you know, positivity and possibility and personal peace. I think that's, that's really what I would love to be talking about. And how do you find, you know, personal peace um, and yet, you know, exist in a world that is pretty chaotic. So, so I don't know what that um, subject looks like i'm not a coach i don't have your training or expertise but um yeah i believe i can access some some thought leaders and, and maybe create some content in the future around my personal interests as well 
Wow, sounds really amazing. Yeah, um, I have a certificate as an Ericsson professional coach, and I actually learned a lot in that program. So before that, I was also involved in personal development. I was reading books, but the program was was uh, very helpful, and I just uh, learned a lot more about models, like modeling different things. Uh, before I ask my last question, tell people where they can find you and get in touch with you online. For sure. Um, well, I'm one of the few people who uh, really only exists on LinkedIn as a, as a social media platform um, in terms of uh, the wider world. So my full name is Paula Thomas, and that's P-A-U-L-A, and my surname is T-H-O-M-A-S. So if you look up Paula Thomas on LinkedIn, you will be able to find me. Um, I, yeah, I don't do Instagram or any of the other platforms. I'm minimizing my um, my digital um, footprint, uh, <laughs> keeping it in one place so that I can uh, do the, do a good job. So yeah, I'm happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. Yeah, focus is an important thing. And so my last question is, where do you see yourself and your business in 10, 20 years time? Or where do you want to see yourself as a mission? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. Uh, I did enjoy uh, preparing for that one. Um, so for me, it is around um, creating great work now that I can achieve a passive income in the future. And that's a term I'm sure many of your listeners will be familiar with. But I have no problem working really, really hard. But I, I don't want to always sell my time for money, which is the, the downside of being a consultant. So I guess in 10 to 20 years time, I would be um, not working as hard to create income because it would automatically be rolling in. Um, and I would love to be, you know, doing some speaking engagements um, on the topics of abundance and, and possibility mindset. Um, mm -hmm. So as and when I start to create that content, then I believe I will have some authority to speak on the subject so hopefully i'll have a, a global business in that space wow i wish you good luck with that and actually i just um i was looking for this term freelancing and entrepreneurship and this description and explanation fits into your answer uh, i was looking for the difference between freelancing and entrepreneurship and it says uh, there was a quote or a, an explanation from seth godin and he says, freelancers get paid for their work. If you are a freelance copywriter, you get paid when you work. Entrepreneurs yes. use other people's money to build a business bigger than themselves so they can get paid when they sleep. And I think passive income is something like that. So when you reach that yeah. place, when you are an entrepreneur, you have yeah. systems uh, in place that can work for you. And so you are not a freelancer anymore. You are not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a exactly. it's a useful explanation. I I thought. Very okay, much so. Paula. Thank you so much for being here. I wish you good luck with your business and have a nice day in Bali. Thank you so much, Tibor. Lovely talking to you. What is up, Mindset Nation? Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. And if so, please make sure to spread the word and share this episode with your friends. We are on a mission to build this community of Mindset Nation, so please make sure to go to iTunes, go to Stitcher and support us by rating and reviewing the show and don't forget to subscribe as well. 
For more information about Mindset Horizon, simply visit our website mindsethorizon.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the latest information about new episodes, mindset transforming freebies, tips and insights. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, leave us a message, we'd love to get in touch with you and hear more about you. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Take care and be limitless, my friends.